her key scriptures was uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 11, and I want to start right there, okay? We're in our Christmas series for the next couple of weeks. I, I want to get right to the word. I want to read this passage. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to preach. Does that sound all right? Come on, somebody shout at me real quick. And, and here's what I'm going to ask, because I'm going to throw some things out in this message. If you catch it, I just ask that you throw it back. What does that look like? Amen, pastor. Hallelujah. All right, y'all got to shout me down, because y'all feel a little too still. I don't know if it's the cold. I, I don't know if you're, if you're wore out from the weekend, but listen, God's about to do something. God, God's about to strengthen us in spirit. All right, here we go. Ecclesiastes 3, it says this, for everything, there is a season. A time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest. I want you, as, you, as you're sitting here, what season of life are you in? What, is, what does God have you in the middle of right now? What are you walking through right now? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it challenging? Is it hard? Is it discouraging? Are, are you discontent? Uh, you know, let that surface in your heart. There's a time uh, to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away. Come on, you get the point. There's a time for everything, right? A time to search and a time to quit searching. Uh, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. And then, he, and, and then the writer goes into this. He says, what do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Interesting. But then he assures us, the author assures us of this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. That'll preach, huh? God has made everything beautiful for its own time. We just listed a lot of seasons. Not all of those things were beautiful. Not all of those things were joyful. Not all of those things were happy things. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart but even so, and, and this is the part that I love, really this is the part that I wanted to get out of the whole passage. People cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. There's a scope. God starts things and he finishes things, but we can't always see what he's doing along the way. So from this passage, there, there's two things. For, for everything there's a season, we find that out very clearly. But then in two, we see God has made everything beautiful for its own time, but we don't always recognize the full scope of God's work. I, I was reminded of, I believe it's John 13, where Jesus, he, he gets down to wash Peter's feet, the act of a servant, and Jesus is their rabbi, he's their teacher, he's their leader. And so it's not his place to wash their feet. Uh, that's not where Jesus lands on the hierarchy uh, in this social circle that he's been a part of. And Peter says, Jesus, ain't no way you're washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. And Jesus says this, and this will preach. Jesus says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And, and, and so that was a word for Peter, but golly, is that not a word for us? You know, we're all going to walk through different things, and I think we're going to have these moments where it's like, God, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're doing. If you follow Jesus, then you know and you understand there's, there's some things you're gonna experience and walk through in life that you just won't quite understand, right? 
If we're going to be really honest in the room, we're going to walk through some things in life that are going to leave us frustrated, impatient, confused, and discouraged. Like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? And we can look at the text and we can see all these hopeful scriptures. We, we just read, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Ephesians tells us he makes everything work out according to his plan. We love that. Romans tells us he works all things together for good. But maybe some of you find yourself in a season. If one more person tells me God's going to work this all together for good, I'm going to make good of knocking them out. You know what I mean? That's how I, that's how I feel. I'm, I'm over it. It sounds good, but when we're walking through the messes and the tensions of life, when we're like, God, I don't know how you could possibly use this for good. If you cared, if you were loving everything that you've promised, I don't see it in this situation. I don't feel it in this circumstance. How are you allowing this? Are you the one doing this? And if we would all just be really transparent, I think we have these moments and we have these seasons where it's hard to believe and receive the truth that he is working it all together for good, that he does have some sort of divine plan, that he is over all of it. Yet remember what the author of Ecclesiastes said, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work beginning to end. Can't always see it. And this morning, I, I want to preach to the people that find themselves in the place where you've definitely experienced the beginning of something, but you haven't seen the end of it. And when you talk about God's scope of beginning to end, you're somewhere in the middle. I call this place the gap. Everybody say the gap. For Christmas over the next couple of weeks, we're, we're running with this whole gift thing. So if I had to title my message this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of this word is the gift of the gap. The gift, we had to make it sound sexy. Y'all know that. <clears throat> the dreaded gap for some of us, right? We've all been there. And if you haven't been there, then this word is an equipping for a season that you will enter one day. It's that place where we're experiencing discomfort of, of a circumstance or a situation but we're believing for the fulfillment. So I, I, I've started something. I, I've encountered something. Something has begun. I, I've started walking through something. There was definitely a start, but I have not seen the finish. And, and so I'm in the middle waiting on you, God, on what your word says. Let's see you work this all together, God. I, I'm supposed to trust you through this, but I can't even understand how you would allow it. The gift of the gap. And I think what we'll find is the gap is a beautiful place. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. So grateful to be in your house, to communicate your word, to spend some time with the people of God. And I pray through the power of your spirit, there would be a tilling of the soil of our hearts to receive the seed of your truth. Let it take root in our hearts and grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be transformed by your word. Uh, we don't just want to hear it. We, we really want to apply it and we want to live it out. So use this word to strengthen us in, in spirit. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to go to the first chapter of Luke this morning because it's Christmas time. Amen. And in the beginning of chapter Luke, uh, the gospel writer, Luke is an intellect. He's intelligent. He's intelligent. 
And so even the way that he starts off his writing, he starts it off as if it's like this historical account, you know? And uh, as he begins, as he opens up, there's this fluctuating of two birth stories that he's bouncing in between. So obviously Jesus coming to earth and Joseph and Mary, but then there's also John the Baptist who is, uh, his parents are Elizabeth and Zachariah. And so he fluctuates between the two and he gives us the details of each one of these birth stories. And so, you know, it's Christmas and, and we always hone in on the, on the birth story of Jesus. And obviously Jesus is really important. Praise, praise God for Jesus. Amen. Um, but I, I want to specifically look at, I, I think there's something that God has for us in the story of John the Baptist's birth this morning, though. I knew that was going to happen. I was waiting for it before it happens again. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. You're not getting whacked in the face. All right. So Luke one, Luke one. Let's read. You, you know, it's, it's so funny because it's, it's something small. It's something small. And maybe we even forgot that this has existed in, in the story of Luke chapter one. Because Luke chapter one is action packed. There's angelic proclamation. There's prophecy. Uh, there, there's prophecy being fulfilled. There's uh, babies leaping in wombs, all types of stuff. This is just a little small detail of what happens in this chapter. So Luke one, it says this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So we have two people who are both from priestly lines. This is a Christian household, amen? Like if there's ever been a household that was saved, it was this one. So if you've ever seen, met two good people, these are two good people who are, who are living in the, a legacy of the blessing of God, okay? And, and so it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. They were both very old. So they've desired a child, haven't been able to have a child. They're incredible people. They're righteous in God's eyes. They haven't seen, uh, but she's been barren. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Zechariah's out here mopping the floors in the temple, okay? Maybe not necessarily that, but he's, he's fulfilling his priestly duties in the temple. All of a sudden, an angel shows up and he's like, right, caught off guard. He said, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. And we know John is a forerunner for Jesus. He's, John is, is what would fulfill uh, the prophecies about Elijah coming before Jesus, right? Uh, the text will even tell us that John is gonna be a man full of uh, power and the spirit of Elijah. So he is, he, John is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. John is going to be the prophet who in a lot of ways closes the gap of this 400 year silence of not hearing anything from God. That, that gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. John, he's an, a mightily important son. The fulfillment of Elizabeth and Zechariah's prayers, is, it's happening, it's coming forth. This angel is announcing to him, this is good news. You will have great joy and gladness in verse 14. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. 
He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept wisdom of the godly. I know this passage is long, but there's a lot here and there's a lot that I'm probably skimming over, but, but you can see that this is just, this ain't no average son. There's divine purpose and calling on this kid's life. And the angel is, is sharing with Zechariah, your son is coming. And, and, and there's a mighty divine assignment on his life. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah, here he is listening to the angel. And you think if an angel came to me or if an angel came to you and this is the news that he had, I say, come on, praise God. I feel like shouting. Are you serious? Are you serious? He's going to help many people. He's, he's going to turn the Israelites. This is unbelievable. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, God. I, I, this is unbelievable. What does he say? How can I be sure this will happen? That's his response. Everyone say doubt. How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife's well along in years. There's doubt. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe, say doubt. Now, since you didn't believe what I said, You'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. So I want to make sure we get it. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I'm almost done with the passage here. I'm in verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. And when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized from his gestures and his silence that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. So he just came, comes out and he just. (laughs) Just, they're like, you're acting crazy. So something crazy must have happened in there. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. I read this story, and I read it three times and emphasized to you guys. As I read this story, there's so much here. There's so much being fulfilled, but just this small little detail. I read this story, and I can't help but think about the struggle of Zechariah's silence. I think about the convenience of being able to use your voice, the ability to communicate your wants and your needs, and Zechariah can't speak until the baby is born, and he finishes his week of duties up. So we know for nine months, in at least a week, Zechariah is not going to be able to talk. Sometimes I I pick my girl up from school and I got to ask her a question four times before I can get a response. And that's enough to drive me crazy. (laughs) Never mind not being able to communicate with anybody 
or anything for nine months. Talk about frustrating. Text doesn't say it, total speculation, but, but I totally see where the Lord uses this time of silence to develop some patience in Zechariah. Can you imagine coming home, showing up to your wife? She's just like, what? Talk to me. What's going on? I... Can't communicate anything. Nine months, no voice. Nine months, no voice. I have to believe that got frustrating. You ever walk through something frustrating? You ever walk through something that inconvenienced your life day to day? Conversations with God like, Lord, I know you can fix it. Lord, I know you're able to turn this around. Would you intervene, Lord? Would you, would you get us out of this situation? Would you get me out of this situation? Now we know that the angel of the Lord was so clear. There's an beginning and there's an end and it's nine months. But where we find Zechariah at the end of this passage here is in the gap. Yeah. Can't talk. Lord has his voice for nine months. Again, total speculation. I find it fair to suggest that Zechariah had some moments where he's like, man, I'm ready to have my voice back for real. This is annoying. This is, this is annoying. This is hard. But again, God set a scope. He had a beginning and he had an end. And I just wonder if some of us have, have found ourselves in, the, in, in a gap, uh, in the gap of God. But, but it looks like praying for the marriage to be restored already. We're in the middle. We've been fighting. We've been arguing. We've been trying to get it. We, we've been to the counseling and the counseling doesn't. God, would you just restore it already? I'm, I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm done fighting. Would you, would you restore it already? Praying for the provisions uh, for the promotion at work already. God, I've put in my time. Uh, I've done everything that I can do. There's nothing else I can physically perform. Uh, waiting, praying that the season of singleness would end. God, I've been doing my devotionals. I'm even staying off dating apps trying to honor you. Uh, God, come on, I'm ready. Where are they? Praying the conception of the baby would happen like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Lord, come on, we're, we wanna, we're, we'll even dedicate this baby to you. Somewhere in the middle, the gap. But, but here's what I love. If, if you're taking notes, you've got to write this down. Somewhere, somewhere in the gap. It's the gift of the gap. We know that James tells us every good and perfect gift is from above. Right? So here's what we have to believe and here's what we have to receive. That not only is the gift God gives good, but also the timing of it is good. Not only is the gift God gives good, but also the timing of it is good. And here's what I found through observing the scriptures. Receiving gifts prematurely often produces prodigals. There's, there's something about embracing God's process that equips us for his promise. I, I don't want us to miss this. Receiving gifts prematurely often produces prodigals, but embracing God's process equips us for his promise. Proverbs says it like this. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. 
but wealth from hard work grows over time. Man, if you just receive something in full, you don't have character to sustain it. You're not equipped to actually live in the fullness of the blessing for it to be a real benefit. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. I just wonder if maybe there's some purpose in the middle of the gap. Later in that same chapter of Proverbs, it says, it is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools return, but, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. We want the promise. We want the end. But what if before God's willing to bring us to the end, there's some things he wants us to turn away from. There's some things he wants us to pick up. There's some armor he wants us to get a hold of. There's some equipping that he's doing through this process. I really believe that the gift of the gap is often the grace of God. Because if he just restored your marriage instantly, then you wouldn't be able to recognize it's your selfishness that's actually got you to the place where you are. He needs to refine that out of you. And fixing the marriage won't get rid of your selfishness. If you got the promotion before your character uh, you, you know, bef before your character was produced properly, then your pride would lead you to your destruction. If, if you compromised and just started dating the guy from work, you'd find yourself unequally yoked, wanting to grow in God, but held back. If, if he gave you the baby when you asked for it, you never would have adopted those kids. Right? This is why we need to thank God for the gift of the gap. Because even though we're frustrated, even though we feel discontent, even though the season has seemed long, God's grace was guiding you and bringing you into the good things that he had. Some of y'all have found yourself in the middle of the gap complaining and you should be celebrating. God's doing something. Yeah, yeah, God's equipping me. God, God's strengthening my character. God's building faith in me. God's bringing me somewhere. I don't understand the whole scope. I don't see the end, but I'm expecting as he carries me there. He's doing something. And the devil would love, he, the devil would love your discontentment to cause you to compromise and try to just get out of the gap. But that's right where God wants you. He wants you to sit in the gap. Lord, what are you, what are you developing in me? What, what's happening in all this discontentment and all this frustration with my inability to talk, to just follow you still? I, I just wonder, what would God do through a group of people if we were willing to rise up with confidence in the provision of God, in the providence of God, and declare with some gladness, devil, I love the gap. Yeah, yeah, I trust God in the gap. I'm grounded in the gap. I know he's good in the gap. I know he's got me in the gap. In fact, the gap's a gift, devil. I'm gonna stay right here. I'm gonna stay right here while I was studying this week. Holy Spirit starts illuminating these, these different stories. Bring, he reminds me of what happens in Genesis 32 specifically. There's a man named Jacob. Genesis 32, and as I, as, I, as I thought about this verse, worship team, you can come. As I thought about this verse, 
I, I just wanted to bring back to mind, uh, you know, I was just trying to recount what had happened in the story, and, and a lot of us are familiar. Jacob, who uh, is supposedly finds himself wrestling with God, he, he's wrestling with God and he won't let go. I won't let go till you bless me. Right? There's this desperation. There's this endurance that's taking place. There's this tenacity in him, right? It's this beautiful act of faith. And he, and he won't let go of God. So God pops out his hip out of place so he'll let go. Right? And so when God pops his hip out of place, he lets go. And that's how I remembered it. But then I went back and I read it. And that's not what happens. Genesis 32, let's go. Verse 24 says, this left Jacob all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. So Jacob said, oh, and he, ah, why did you do that? What the heck is your problem? I was holding on. I, I, was, just, I was just looking for the blessing. Ah, and, he, and he floats off and he runs away because when he popped his hip out of place, he let go. That's what I thought. I don't know. That's how I remember the story. And I looked. He said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. His hip is popped out. But Jacob hangs in there with a hip popped out with a hip broken. Nah, I ain't gonna let go till you bless me. What's your name? What's your name? Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you've fought with God and with man and you've won. And what the Holy Spirit revealed to me was Jacob wrestling with the source of the blessing healthy was one thing, but the trust that the source was the same after seemingly being wounded by it and still hanging in there and still trusting that even though this thing wounded me, it's still where the blessing remains. I will not let go. And it was only in that place that God could rename Jacob, give him a new title to sustain it. How many of us your hip gets popped out, so you let go. God was developing something in you that was right where he wanted you to sit and find that I won't. No. That's where we say, God, I'm right here. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Could it be that God's calculated with his conflict? This is just a theory I have. Proverbs is, is so clear, so clear on the power of our words, okay? Talks about the effects they can have. I want to share a couple of Proverbs. The tongue can bring death or life. Yeah, Pastor Mark, we know that one. Okay, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. But there's something that can be built. There's something that can be broken through what comes out of here. There is one who's, this is Proverbs 12, 16. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
it's, it's like this can pollute situations and circumstances, but it could also bring healing. And so what I say matters and there's weight to my words. A gentle tongue, this is Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. There's a breaking that can happen through what? I say our words are mightily important and will be used for the good, but can also be used for the bad. What we say matters. And what Jesus teaches me is that what comes out of my mouth is actually what's existing in my heart. And so when the angel speaks and says, yeah, I'm gonna bring you a boy. It's gonna change the world. The only thing that comes out is doubt. How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is well along in years. And so what does the angel do? The angel mutes Zechariah so he can't speak. So at that point, it doesn't matter what exists in the heart, it can't be communicated. Bookmark, okay? Matthew 13. I don't know if you guys remember this story, but it says Jesus didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Right, Matthew 13, so Jesus, because there's not faith in the atmosphere, it would seem that G Jesus limits what he does or he's limited or, or somehow those things are connected. I just wanna be careful with what theolo theological thing I jump into here. We just see faith, Matthew nine, just another situation. Jesus walks into the room, says the girl's not dead, she's asleep. People laugh, get out, get out. And it's only after the people get out that the girl gets up. And so I wonder, as you peer into the story, could it be that God muted Zechariah in his grace because the doubt that existed in his heart would have contaminated an atmosphere of faith that John needed to be born into. And once what was being produced came forth, this is it, I'm getting to the end here. Once what was being produced in the nine months where, in the nine months of frustration, in the nine months where no one knows what I need, I can't communicate anything that's going on, in the nine months of Babies being produced. Something's growing. That's going to change the world. There's an atmosphere that's being protected. Elizabeth can't hear any of the concern. Elizabeth just notices, I'm pregnant. There's a baby. It's coming, Zechariah. And once what was being produced came forth, the same mouth that was put on pause would be the same mouth that God would use to prophesy. You gotta see it, you gotta see it, you gotta see it. Luke, verse, Luke 1, verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. 
Verse 59, when the baby was eight days old. What does eight mean in the Bible? New beginnings, new season. When it was a new season, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name's John. What, they exclaimed? There's no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what, what, what uh, he wanted his name to be. What do you think, Zachariah? So he goes, he, he grabs a tablet and he, he scribbles on the tablet. So they use gestures, he motioned for a tablet. To everyone's surprise, he wrote his name's John. Instantly, Zachariah could speak again. I think John, 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 we're gonna name him John. The boy's here, got my voice back. I, I, can, I can speak. And look, and it said, awe fell upon. But, but it said instantly Zechariah could speak again. He began praising God. John, woo, babe, I saw an angel when I was in the sanctuary. You wouldn't believe it. I, I tried telling you. I, I wanted to, you know, he, he's freaking out. All, all fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father, Zechariah, who was put on pause for nine months and two weeks, filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he visited and redeemed his people. I just wonder, does God have you put on pause? In his grace, has he withheld something? In his grace has he allowed something and you've been ready to give up. You've been so discouraged. You've been so frustrated. You're like, I don't even feel like going to church. I don't even feel like praying. This is unbelievable. This is ridiculous. And I just wonder if you are experiencing the gift of the gap. God's cultivating something in you. He's doing something in you. If you're in the room right now, you say, you know what, Pastor Mark, if I was to be 100% honest, I, I'm in the gap. I'm in the gap. If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet. One, one, one second. If that's you, I'm in the gap. Just stand. I'm in the gap. I'm in the gap. Oh, man, I just, I, I just, I just... I want to pray over y'all because I just feel like the Lord gave me this word for those who are in the gap and he wants to speak to you this morning. Hey, I see you and I love you and I'm working all things together for your good and you can trust me. Come on, let's pray. I want to pray over y'all. Would you stretch out your hands towards someone near you? Jesus. Father, we, we're so grateful for who you are, for what you've done, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your kindness. God, if we've been discouraged, if we've been distracted, remind us this morning that you're with us in the gap and that we don't always understand the whole scope of things, but we're reminded this morning that we can trust you. And God, we lean into anything you wanna produce in us anything you want to develop in us, 
anything you want us to pick up, anything you want us to set down, Holy Spirit, whisper to our hearts. When we've been complaining instead of celebrating, we repent, but you're turning our mourning to dancing. God, we, God we, we're rising up. We're ready to walk in this thing with an expectation and a trust that you're good and you truly are true to your word, that you're working all things together for good. This is the story of the cross. What looked like death, what looked like the end, would be the beginning. So God, we love you, we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we all said, amen. Let's stand to our feet and worship.